You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. He's Jake Lisko. I'm James Irvine and it is Mock Draft Monday. Plenty to get to when it comes to the 2021 NFL Draft. We're going to go three rounds. We'll take a look at some of the more popular mock drafts out there. Plus, the coaching staff has been finalized, Jake. This is the last bit of news that we're probably going to get up until... You know, a couple weeks before the draft when Zach Taylor talks and Duke Tobin talks and tells us how they want to draft the best players at the best positions available. But Justin Hill is the Bengals running backs coach in 2021. Does this mean that they're going to go to the Super Bowl next year? It doesn't really mean anything. This is one of those coaching (laughs) hires where you kind of look at it and you're like, all right, let's find out what Justin Hill is all about. Running back coach, not a terribly important positional coach, in my opinion, I mean, you're, you're definitely working with the running backs. You're dealing with setting protections. You're dealing with getting them to understand your scheme. But Frank Pollock is doing a lot of that, being the run game coordinator as well. So to me, it's one of those hires where he doesn't have a great track record. You don't really know much about him. So let's wait and see. This isn't a hire like a Jim Turner hire as an offensive line coach where you have a long track record in the NFL and in college football. You know what his rap sheet is, and I mean what his crimes are, and you know what kind of success or lack thereof he's had. You don't really know with Justin Hill. He was pretty good as a running back coach in college. Does that mean it's going to translate to the NFL? I don't know. So we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm not really sure what Tulsa's running scheme is, so I don't know how familiar he is with wide zone versus inside zone concepts and We'll see what happens there. I know Brian Callahan just talked to Bengals.com about them wanting to get better in the wide zone stuff, which, I mean, with all the history of this team in their coaching staff of running wide zone running games, they just haven't done it and haven't been very good at it. So we'll see if Justin Hill is a part of that or not. They also finalized those promotions, James. Troy Walters becomes the wide receivers coach, and Steve Cragthorpe is now the assistant wide receivers coach. Overall... And the the one thing that stands out to me about Hill, he did play at Rice. And it, 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 look, it's Rice, whatever. That's D1. And I think it matters. Like former players who, even if it's college, have grinded and worked their way up a bit. Uh, th- there's just a certain respect that, that I, I think comes with that because he still is a young guy. He played in 2010, so it hasn't been that long. And he's in his 30s. I, I think that that part... Uh, can help his cause. I think that's why Troy Walters was uh, was so successful, I, I guess I could say, uh, in his first year as he transitioned. He played in the league, right? So he's going to command respect from guys like A.J. Green or T. Higgins and anyone in between. So I, I say I, that's the one thing, I guess, that stands out that I like about Hill. But you're right. We don't really know much about him. But overall, I think I like a lot of what Zach Taylor and the Bengals did this offseason from a coaching staff standpoint. I mean, I think they did pretty well. Frank Pollock, you mentioned uh, Marion Hobby. I like him on the defensive line. I know DJ Reader was really excited to reunite with him. You get a guy like this and Justin Hill. I'm okay with a young running backs coach. That's all right. And like you said, it's not like it's the end all be all of the coaching staff either. So I think they did pretty good at filling their vacancies. 
I just went and looked while you were talking about some of the other coaches they hired, and I agree. I've liked most of their coaching hires this offseason. I like going with experience, and I like the track record of some of these guys. I found an article from Pistols Firing Blog and NorthTexas.com, InsideTexas.com. They talked about Tulsa's offense. This article is from 2020, and it's described as a smash-mouth spread, meaning smash-mouth Running game, double teams, lead blockers, and a lot of 10 and 11 personnel, meaning one running back and either one or zero tight ends. The Bengals, of course, led the league in 11 personnel for most of, if not all of 2020. They actually used quite a bit of one running back, zero tight end personnel as well. So there is some scheme familiarity there, I think. And it will be Hill's first experience in the NFL. So we'll see how he adapts. But He's got a lot of experience around him with those wide zone schemes like I talked about. So wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Bengals make that a point of emphasis this offseason, trying to make sure their offensive line personnel matches that approach to the running game because Joe Mixon's good at it. That's where he was so successful with Frank Pollock a couple of years ago. So we'll see if they can execute and get back to it. So as James points out, that wraps up the coaching staff search the coaching staff news for 2021's offseason cycle the next bit of news we'll have james you're right it's a little bit of ways away and it's going to be when free agency opens the bengals end up losing as matt at mr k since he points out two coaches two on-field coaches from last year to this year but they have replaced some of those guys with more experience and i'm not really too worried about there being fewer coaches on the field coming up next james let's get into mock draft monday in earnest Take a look at some of those mocks around the internet from some of those draft experts at the leading sports sites out there. Then we'll get into our own mock draft. Speaking of mock drafts, James, maybe you want to bet on who the first overall pick will be. You'll get very, very bad odds on one Trevor Lawrence. If you can get him at all, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Maybe you can't bet on football games right now, but you've got the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL in full swing. They even cover a bet online awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. You can go over to bet online right now, check out all of their different options, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you sign up today if you use promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. It's Mock Draft Monday here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, and we are in it, James, on the Draft Network's Mock Draft machine. We were on the clock at number five. Three quarterbacks gone, Penny Sewell gone, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase there staring us in the face. And depending on who you ask, a number of mock drafts recently have the Bengals going with Kyle Pitts over Jamar Chase. I don't think that's something that either of us really see as likely, but we also had three trade offers for first, second, and third round picks from the teams picking ninth, the Denver Broncos, 10th, the Dallas Cowboys, and 11th, the New York Giants. And we took one of those offers to move back because to me, adding additional top 100 picks is very powerful for a team that has needs at a lot of positions and needs to take more swings in the draft. And this is a scenario that could very well play out. And I think there are some fans that are like, hey, if Sewell isn't there, trade back. 
And I get that, especially because when we did decide to move back, Waddle is available. Obviously, Chase is available. Pitts is available. And so is Devontae Smith. So you have the top offensive weapons at your disposal. And in moving back, maybe you can still land one of them. And I, I think that was at least my logic when I approved it. Because I'm very rarely, if, if your guy's there, take your guy. I'd rather have quality over quantity. And while I probably still take Chase, I like seeing this scenario play out because it's, one, it's new, it's different. And, and I want to see how, how, it, how it ends up and how it unfolds. I think just getting that extra second round pick for me offsets whatever the difference is between Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. It's not like Jalen Waddle has this extensive injury history. If you're mm-hmm. just looking at the offensive weapons and it's not like he has a question mark to just come with just being a tight end in Kyle Pitts. Now, if Kyle Pitts was still available here, he went one pick before we picked. He went eighth to the Carolina Panthers. Would you be on Pitts here? Or would you be on Waddle here, James? Oh, it's close. It is. And uh, depending on who you ask, right, and, and really it depends on the day of the week for me. Right now, I would probably lean Pitts, but I, I could honestly, as we gather information and get m- more familiar with these guys uh, as draft season goes, I, I could tell you something different because I think both are in consideration in, in, in play at five with the fifth pick. So now that we're down here at number nine, I certainly think they would be at or near the top of the Bengals board. I'd probably say Pitts today, but again, I could certainly see Waddle and I could see the Bengals taking Waddle over Pitts. Yeah, the idea of taking Pitts at number five is just really hard just because he's a tight end. In the last 50 years, there's been one tight end drafted in the top five, and that was Riley Odoms in 1972 by the Broncos. There have obviously been a number of tight ends drafted at number six, a lot of those in more recent history. And I think that the difference between five and six is negligible. But just the simple fact that you have to go back to the 70s before you find a tight end drafted in the top five, and you look at some of the tight ends that have been drafted in the top 10, it just gives you pause about the position. Kyle Pitts, special prospect, special player, rare talents. But enough to make me pause is simply the position he plays. I'm not saying that means I wouldn't draft him in at number five or even in the top 10, but it just makes you stop and think and really evaluate. Do I have the plan to make this guy successful in Cincinnati? And that to me could be the tiebreaker, right? Let's say at five uh, in this scenario, Chase was there and we traded down, but let's say Waddle is there. Sewell's gone. Chase is gone. And it's Waddle, Pitts, Slater. Well, I think Slater's third on the the Bengals board out of those three, if I had to guess. Pitts might be even with Waddle or have uh, a fraction of a point higher than Waddle, but the the positional value, the potential impact, and when you look at it across the the NFL, that wide receivers in year one have had recently that they saw last year with T. Higgins, and you've brought this up a lot. Tight ends, sometimes it's it's tough. It's rough. It's hard for them to adjust to, to life in the NFL and be productive right away. Even someone as good as, as Kyle Pitts, you wonder if he's going to have any kind of issues that way. And so, yeah, I, I think it could certainly be at the very least a tiebreaker between two of these guys. You know, Waddle, a guy who, if he would have played this year, might be the top wide receiver, right, in this class. I could have, have seen that if he wasn't injured, and some might even put him there ultimately after 
uh, we get all the data and, and hopefully they they test and all that stuff this offseason. So we'll see there. But um, I, I think it's it's going to be a tough decision, but positional value could matter and does matter to, to all these teams, including the Bengals. And so GM James and GM Jake have made a consensus pick here of Jalen Waddle. Speaking of the combine, though, James, Exos, which is one of those private training companies, they train a lot of prospects to get ready for the combine. They're going to do a two-day pro-day event in February, later in February, to simulate a combine setting. They're going to do it over two days instead of in one day for all these guys. So we're going to have to look at some of these numbers and take them with a grain of salt because it will not be the same environment that we're used to seeing combine testing in. They're going to do stuff like bench pressing on one day, and then they're going to run the next day. There aren't going to be interviews with teams late into the night. So the players you would expect to actually be better rested. I think we might see better performances in some of the agility and some of the 40-yard dash drills. But that being said, it still is useful to get some of this stuff done, to have some measurables. You'll be able to compare them to each other within the class. But I think that there will be some caveats when you're comparing data across classes just because of the different environment that this will be taking place in this year. This is going to be February 26th to 27th in Arizona, Texas, and Florida. They've got formal general, former general managers Mark Dominic from Tampa Bay and Carolina Panthers scouting director Don Gregory to run the operation. So there are former NFL executives taking care of things, and that should help with some of the consistency issues. But, and someone will have to correct me on this if I'm wrong, I believe the fact that they're doing bench press, broad jump, and vertical jump one day, and then field drills, including those agility tests in the 40 the next day, is different from the standard combine format. So we'll have to see if there's any difference or what kind of difference that makes in terms of the performance from these athletes. We'll also have to see how different it is just being that it's decentralized and the schedule might be a little bit different. I'm just glad they were able to find a way to to do this, right? It's so valuable, not only for teams and obviously the Bengals, but these athletes that are hoping to have successful NFL careers and the, the fact that they're, they're able to test and, and show what they got and hopefully um, th- they can do it and uh, not only a safe environment, but an environment that, uh, like you said, maybe they can have uh, a higher performance because it's going to be a little different than it has been with the combine in years past. Up next, Mock Draft Monday rules on day two, rounds two and three. We got Jalen Waddle. Where do we go from here? We'll get to that next right here on Locked On Bengals. We talk about it all the time. Built Bar, it's the number one protein bar on the planet. I have at least one per day. It's the perfect post-workout snack. It's the perfect midday snack. It doesn't matter what you're looking for in a protein bar. Built Bar has you covered because not only do they taste amazing and they're covered in 100% chocolate, they have 18 amazing flavors from apple almond crisp to caramel brownie to mint brownie. It doesn't matter what you're looking for. They got it, but it fits your macros. So they taste great. They're loaded with protein. Low in sugar, going to fit your macros, going to fit that diet that you're on so you can look your best in summer 2021 when hopefully we can go on vacation again. So make sure you check them out right now, BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's keep things rolling with Mock Draft Monday. And Jake, we're on the clock with the 38th pick 
in the second round. A reminder, we did trade back to the ninth overall selection, so we are also picking 41st overall. So we're uh, in a good spot here to land a, a couple of uh, quality prospects. Um, some names worth noting. A couple offensive linemen, I think, that are, are on people's radars. Uh, radar. Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. Dylan Raddins from North Dakota State. Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma is there as well. Defensive lineman uh, Christian Barmore is there from Alabama. Levi Onzariki from Washington is available. Uh, Jason Oa out of Penn State, the, the edge rusher available. And then one more offensive lineman, Landon Dickerson, also available. So uh, I think that, the f- one, these are all players that fill a need, right, since we went wide receiver in round one. Two, we have another selection just three picks from now. So you're going to get two really good guys here that Phil needs probably both in the trenches, if you ask me. And this is why you trade back, right? Is because you've got your skill player in the first round. Yeah, you got Jalen Waddle. Maybe you wanted Jamar Chase, but Jalen Waddle still really, really good. And I think if he had played the whole year, there's a real conversation about wide receiver one because when he was on the field with Devontae Smith earlier in the year, as we've said, he outproduced Devontae Smith. He's got a more... He's got a denser build, I guess you could say. So while he might not be as big as Jamar Chase, I don't have as many concerns about his frame. And he's obviously got elite, elite athleticism. And something that we haven't talked about with Jalen Waddle at all, James, is he brings elite return skills as well. And that's something that I've kind of been looking for in these mock drafts is looking for a return man. Jalen Waddle absolutely can be a return man, but... Looking at who we're looking at here in the second round, I think you did a great job summarizing the primary contenders for pick number 38. I'm looking at Asante Samuel Jr. a little bit. I'm looking at Wyatt Davis a little bit as well. But here's the thing. If Christian Barmore is somehow there when the Bengals are picking in round two, Mm -hmm. just pick him. And it's not really close. I think that Christian Barmore is probably going to get picked in the 20s in this particular mock draft that we've done. Not a single interior defensive lineman has been drafted. And since we're picking again in just a couple picks, maybe Alex Leatherwood gets picked or maybe Dylan Raddins gets picked, but we can go back to the offensive line if we want to. And we know that three-tech interior defensive line is a need. Christian Barmore, the best guy at that position in this draft. And I have no hesitation here going Alabama, Alabama. I agree with you 100%. Barmore is a no-brainer. Let's uh, let's take him and see what... Uh what's left here as we go on the clock and and pick 41 and well two offensive linemen went (laughs) Alex Leatherwood goes to the Lions Dylan Raddins went to the Carolina Panthers so now we're on the clock still though I think it's okay you're just probably not going tackle here I I, I think in the only one maybe Walker Little out of Stanford I think that's a guy that that may you know, creep up board some and, and, and could be there, you know, could be a guy in the second round. Heck, I think I picked him last week when I was rebuilding the Bengals uh, GM for a day. But Wyatt Davis still there. For those that potentially want a tight end, Pat Fryermuth from Penn State is available. I've seen him go to the Bengals in round two in a couple of mock drafts. So you're right. This is why you trade back because now you can address any one of your needs. Jack Jackson uh, Carmen from Clemson, also probably the the top tackle on the board. Not named Walker Little, depending on how you look at him, but I, I actually I'm high on Little. I think that 
I'm also looking at edge here. We talked about Jason Oa last time we, we were mm-hmm. talking about who to pick at 38 Quincy Roche also there for Miami. So a couple of options at the edge, if they wanted to go that direction. And I think after this tier of edge guys, there is a pretty big fall off. So if they decide they want to just go all in on the pass rush here, they think that's the best positional value. They think those are the best players for where they're picking could totally see those being acceptable draft picks at this point. But being that Wyatt Davis is there, I think he's one of the better interior offensive linemen in this class. I think that Wyatt Davis would probably be the direction I'm leaning here with, honestly, some very strong consideration for Landon Dickerson, who I know he's got the ACL injury, but I think when he's healthy, I think I would rather have Landon Dickerson than Wyatt Davis. But since we're the Bengals, we need a guard who's going to come in and play right away. And I guess we'll have to see what his, what his medicals look like. But he hadn't even had his ACL surgery by the national championship game. So I, I'm not very sold that Landon Dickerson is, is going to be healthy in time to really play much at all next season. We'll, we'll see, obviously. I don't know as much as I could. But because of those reasons, I start to go toward Wyatt Davis instead. Yeah, Wyatt Davis, certainly. I think Creed Humphrey. Yep is a guy that gets or should get consideration here as well. Interior offensive lineman has the versatility to play center. Obviously, if you need him to, but you can play him at guard if Trey Hopkins is back in time. And so maybe the the versatility there gives him an edge. I've seen him fought around three in some mocks and it's like, man, that's a, a no brainer. So we'll see if that happens here, but I'm on board with Wyatt Davis. I think that that's, that's a guy that, uh, that we can take here. And, um, and really feel good about it. And it is worth noting, you take Jalen Waddle at nine, but let's just say the Bengals take a wide receiver in the first round. You see anyone on that wide receiver board that you're really interested in in this part of the draft, whether it's pick 38 or pick 41, Jake, because to me, that's the scary part is, you know, if if you wait on receiver, you might be waiting until day three of the draft to recoup some of that value because it's not as... It might be deeper on the on day three than last year, but but day two is a a bit spottier for me. I'm not I don't see many T Higgins like prospects there that could be taken in the second or third round. Yeah, it's because you're not picking 33. You're you're a little bit further back, and at this point we're picking at 41. You're you're well off of where the Bengals found T Higgins last year. But you look at the first round. Rashad Bateman from Minnesota goes 20th. Terrence Marshall goes 22nd. Kadarius Tony goes 28th. Rondale Moore goes 34th. So those are the guys that you're kind of looking at as fringe wide receiver prospects that might be there when the Bengals pick at 37. There's an argument, I think, for Diami Brown from North Carolina. That would be the guy that I would really consider at this point. And I think you shout out Elijah Moore a little bit. I think it's a little early for him. I think it's a little early for me to go Dwayne Eskridge just because I have concerns about Eskridge being, what, 24 years old coming into the NFL at his size. So yeah, you're, you're not loving the wide receiver choices here so much, but at the same time, if we hadn't picked a wide receiver in the first round, I would be really hoping that I could somehow land one of these guys. If it's by trading back or by hoping that one of these guys, Tylen Wallace, another one being mm-hmm. there when the Bengals pick in the third round, maybe not all the way in day three, but in the latter half of day two. But for me, let's go the easy route here. Wyatt Davis go 
One pick in the offensive line, one pick on the defensive trenches, and we get the wide receiver, the weapon for Joe Burrow to round out that wide receiving core and and a real returner that, that is something that I think is a low-key, understated need for the Bengals in 2021. And let's get to those third-round picks, James. We're on the clock at 69. A very nice pick, if you ask me. And the players that stand out to me still available that we were talking about earlier or you could talk about in the second round of different points Landon Dickerson Carlos Basham James Hudson from University of Cincinnati Trey Smith if you trust his medicals Joe Tryon from Washington some edge rushers that that you consider a little bit here and some offensive linemen that I would look at as well absolutely Uh, Deontay Brown another guy if you want to keep continuing to pluck from the Alabama tree uh, he's the the guard that went viral because he's just a mammoth of a man. To me here, and a reminder, we're picking 73rd overall too since we did trade back. I think that you're already considering Dickerson. He's he's there now. I would take him. I, 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 I don't see a scenario regardless. They could sign Joe Tooney. They could take Wyatt Davis. But if Dickerson is a high second-round grade, you're not letting an ACL injury get in the way of taking him at 69th because you still have that 73rd pick and you can still take a James Hudson. You can still take a Carlos Basham Jr. or one of these edge guys and you're really taking the top guy on your board. So that's my vote. I would say let's take Landon Dickerson. I'm not going to let an ACL scare me off. Yeah, I think I can get on board with that. I really like Landon Dickerson. I think he is gone in the second round. I think the scenario where he gets to the third round is teams are really scared of his medicals. Maybe the ACL is worse than than you thought, but the guy is a really good interior offensive lineman. He loves to finish blocks. I think that he brings a personality that this team would really benefit from. He has all of the ingredients of being a real great leader in the trenches and I don't know that this team really has a leader in the trenches right now, at least not the the kind that I envision Landon Dickerson being in the NFL. So we, we're we really whiffing at tackle is the only thing here. And and that kind of points out a couple of things. One, there's there's some positional value stuff there. And, and maybe if you want to get your tackle, you need to be comfortable taking a guy like Jackson Carmen at some point in the second round, or you need to be more aggressive with Dylan Raddins, if you think he can play tackle, or Alex Leatherwood, if you think he can fix his issues with uh, with his hand usage and, and some of the issues with occasional occasional slow feet and, and getting beat with some counter moves. But if they get the tackle in free agency, because we know that's what they value more, then this is a scenario that's just a dream, right? That you, you get a couple interior offensive linemen, you have the opportunity to get three picks in the, or sorry, five picks in the top 75 to address both sides of the trenches and get a weapon for your young quarterback. So I look Landon Dickerson here. And then when we pick again in just a few picks, I'm looking at whatever the best available edge guy is to supplement the defensive line pick that we made earlier in Christian Barmore. So we take Dickerson and Basham is still there at 73. I mean, I love this, Jake. I I feel like we nailed it here because you get the playmaker. You address both sides of the trenches like you mentioned. Uh, interior, you, you address edge. Uh, suddenly, there's a wall in front of Joe Burrow with you know Wyatt Davis. 
hopefully you've addressed the tackle position in free agency because that's something that I think both of us would do and we did when we were GM of the Bengals. And then you're able to get a guy in Landon Dickerson who might end up being better than Davis, but you have Davis so you don't need to turn to, to Dickerson or rush him back or anything like that. This is, uh, this is a hell of a start. I mean, you're talking about five really quality players um, from – you know, two, what, three Alabama players, one from Ohio State, one from Wake Forest, all guys I think could contribute outside of Dickerson because of the injury right away, right? It, it, I think that's, let's roll. Well, let's strap up, baby. The Bengals are fun again. I think this is probably my favorite result out of any of the mocks we've done so far. We didn't get the tackle. We didn't get Penny Sewell. We didn't get Jamar Chase, but I love Jalen Waddle anyway. I think I've talked enough about the things that he does really well getting both Christian Barmore and Carlos Basham. Those guys are both on the field for you on third down. And Carlos Basham showed to the senior bowl that he can kick inside and be a versatile player. He can play on the edge for you on early downs. He can kick inside on third down and rush the passer from defensive tackle. Christian Barmore and every down defensive tackle as well if you want him to be. And the beauty is, is just you're immediately so much deeper in the defensive trenches and the offensive trenches, to be frank, you've still got Xavier Suofilo there. You're still expecting Trey Hopkins back at some point. And if Landon Dickerson is your center of the future, now that means that you've got Trey Hopkins who can play any position on the offensive line and you can put him wherever you need him. You definitely have a hole at this point at right tackle, but if you're rolling out a starting offensive line on week one of Jonah Williams, Left guard, say it's Joe Tooney, maybe they don't get anybody, and it's and it's going to be Xavier Suofilo instead. A center that's going to be either Billy Price or Trey Hopkins, of right guard and Landon Dickerson or Wyatt Davis, sorry, Wyatt Davis, and whoever your right tackle is, they, they need some additional bodies in the offensive trenches for sure. But the fact that you've added Wyatt Davis and Landon Dickerson on the interior gives you two premier talents there that I think as soon as like midway through the season really solidify a lot of the issues on the offensive line, even if they don't get the ideal right tackle, for example, just adding these guys and adding depth goes a long way in improving them there. There's no doubt about it. I love it. You're right. You said it best that it's your favorite. I think it's mine too, because it, it doesn't clip Joe Burrow's wings or his potential. It helps get the pressure out of his face after having the worst guard play in the league for most of last season. It gets him a true deep threat and a guy who produced on a big-time level. And you know he has heart because that dude was out there in the national championship game and he was nowhere near 100%. And you're also still addressing the defensive line and dj reader is a happy man right and you have someone in carlos basham jr who i think could make an impact like i said off the edge right away i i love it so i'm gonna give us an a i'm gonna go ahead and, and you know the bengals can call us anytime if they need our services this offseason i i think you and i i mean we're busy but i, I think we're available to help out if they need us yeah, just, just make it so the NFL draft is a simulator with no other real people, and, and we got this. It's easy. That's right. Yeah, that's right. GM Jake and James to the rescue. The, the only complaint I have about this, the, the, the more I look at it, and after talking about the offensive line, if they do nothing in free agency at offensive line, this isn't enough. That's the only, that's the only caveat that I'm going to point out because you're only getting one guy who should be able to step in and start on day one, and that's Wyatt Davis. And even Wyatt Davis, like he could have benefited from another year at school. 
he should be fine in the NFL. I think he has a pedigree and he has the tools. He wasn't great this season. I think he's still a starting NFL guard. But if that's all you get on day one and your offensive line is Jonah Williams, Xavier Suofilo, Billy Price, Wyatt Davis, uh, and Bobby Hart, well, th- then you haven't done enough. That's the sure. only caveat. Yeah, and and honestly, if if that's if that's the case before the draft even starts, then they've already failed to me. Like they they need to yeah. add to the offensive line, and you know if we had known, hey, they they already took or, or they already signed Joe Tooney. Well, then maybe we don't take Wyatt Davis at forty one, right? Maybe more, in especially if tackles a need. But we're assuming that they're aggressive in free agency, and it, they better be right and, and address free agency and bring in someone because if you bring in any tackle you know a daryl williams right he's not the highest uh graded tackle he's not trent williams he, he's not taylor moton you sign daryl williams now you're feeling pretty damn good uh, about the future because dickerson uh in davis could be your your guards of the future potentially with uh, a guy like uh williams stepping in alongside jonah and suddenly you feel much much different about your offensive line just get to confident baby that's that's the name of the game for the offensive line. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast on Tuesday night. For Wednesday's episode, we have a very special guest coming on the podcast that both of us are really looking forward to, but we're still on five days a week, so we'll catch you tomorrow. Until then, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one.